Pacifica Radio in San Francisco. This is Flashpoints. I'm Dennis Bernstein. Today on the show, a Native American New Year's reflection with American Indian Movement co-founder Bill Means. Means is also the co-founder of the American Indian Treaty Council and an eyewitness to the FBI siege at Wounded Knee some 50 years ago. And also the historic Golden Rule anti-nuclear sailboat is on its way to Cuba, challenging the people, punishing U.S. embargo against that country. All this coming up straight ahead on Flashpoints. Stay tuned. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. This is your daily investigative news magazine coming up later on in this broadcast. Uh, we I actually got a beautiful phone call um, very early this morning uh, from the folks on the Golden Rule on their way once again to challenge the punishing U.S. embargo against Cuba. This is a an extraordinary journey once again being made by the uh, vets against the war uh, trying to break the embargo against Cuba and end the extraordinary suffering that is now forcing thousands of people off the island because the poverty uh, becomes quite difficult and the struggle is really tough. So that's going to be coming up later on in the broadcast, and we're going to see if we can reach the boat or supporters of the boat. But uh, first, uh, we're going to spend a large chunk of this broadcast uh, remembering a wounded knee some 50 years ago. Uh, the 50-year anniversary is coming up, uh, and we're going to be doing here on Flashpoints a great deal on there, including going uh, to the res and being uh, with the folks uh, who were there for the original uh, wounded knee. I should say the second wounded knee. And joining us, I believe we have Miguel Gavila Molina, and I think either Bill Means, the founder of the American Indian Movement, is with us or will be with us soon. So welcome, uh, Miguel and Bill. Well, here we okay. are, Dennis. It's December, and uh, uh, about 132 years ago, on December the 28th, 1890, a group of some 150, excuse me, 350 Lakota ghost dancers and, and family members uh, were surrounded by United States Cavalry troopers uh, at Wounded Knee on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. Uh, they ordered the Lakota to surrender their weapons after a small, you know, uh, confrontation. And then the soldiers opened fire, massacring up to 300 men, women, and children. 31 soldiers were also killed from the cavalry. And uh, that's what happened on, on the 28th. It was, uh, you know, during that time. And it didn't, it, it, it's, it wasn't even that long ago. My grandfather was about 20 years old when this happened. So here we are, you know. Uh, facing this situation, and yes, on, on uh, this coming February, uh, 2023, uh, on the 24th of February till the uh, 27th, there's going to be a whole uh, uh, remembrance. There's going to be gathering from all across the country and possibly the world coming there to remember uh, that this was one of the last 
stands of the Indian nations before the United States completely took over the country. And uh, that tradition rose up again uh, back in 1973. Uh, when once again, uh, Lakota warriors and, and members of the tribe gathered uh, after they were summoned by some of the folks on the uh, Pine Ridge Reservation. And there was uh, a conflict because some of the uh, traditional, uh, excuse me, some of the uh, native council there was very much part of that whole United States Calvary mentality. Well, well, they, yeah. Just to other. say, there was a, there was a, the the battle uh, uh, boiled down. It was, you know, it was the uh, the American Indian movement had been founded, and they were tired of the way in which the United States government would get a couple of lackeys. In this case, uh, there was yes. uh, the controversial tribal chairman Richard Wilson, right. uh, who exactly. was uh, doing the bidding for the United States government. Uh, he was viewed as a corrupt puppet uh, 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 working for the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And so uh, people essentially, the second wounded knee was about folks being tired of, uh, if you will, turncoats um, joining uh, with the United States government to continue the oppression. So it, it was that moment in history in 1973 when uh, folks like the Means brother, Russell Means, uh, Bill Means, uh, they, uh, s- several folks like Bill Means had just come back from Vietnam and uh, he and they were tired. They they had put their lives on the line, supposedly fighting for the American way and they were coming home and they had no rights. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting, Dennis, uh, that, that that situation in some ways, uh, as as Bill Means constantly reminds us the Indian wars have never ended, you know, with the United States government and its armed forces. I mean, we've seen incident after incident where there's, you know, uh, the corporate state needs, uh, you know, certain resources and reservations and and they re- disregard any tribal uh, agreements, treaties, uh, and they just, you know, by force, uh, force themselves, you know, into these areas, uh, into these tribal lands, reservations, and uh, to extract its resources. And it's an ongoing situation. Right now, Dennis, uh, this country's caught up in this whole holiday, uh, Christmas, uh, you know, so, you know, idea holiday season. But at the same time, what is it? What are they talk about they talk about peace and goodwill you know peace and goodwill to all that's what these this christian nation promotes or puts out there during the season but if you really look at it right now you know the entertainment industry as that's turned media and news you know in the entertainment rather than truth and fact and science uh right now the entertainment business is unloaded it's super blockbusters movies of the year and uh, if you look at the top movie in in that line it's a movie called uh, Top Gun with Tom Cruise. You know, it's already grossed over a billion dollars, the biggest ever making, you know, movie in, in movie film history. But what does it promote? Violence, destruction, these birds of violence, these jets, bombers, it just 
reeking with death and destruction. That's that's what they promote, and that's what people glorify. They're running to the theaters. They're selling out. Then there's another movie called Avatar. It's a sci-fi movie. But what if you really look at that you know situation? What is it? Same thing. The United States or the corporate global interest going into another, into another space, another planet, another another area to colonize its indigenous peoples for what extraction, extraction of materials. We've heard the billionaire Elon Musk say it many times. If it's there and I need it, it's ours. And you know the whole war and the whole conflict in the Middle East, Dennis. You know when that whole thing started with George W. Senior, you know Desert Storm, and then followed up by other presidents. What were they talking about? What is our oil doing under their sand? That mentality is a cavalry mentality. You know, it's it's still that idea of force and violence to take land, oppress its people, eradicate entire nations and civilizations. It's the U.S. military American way. So today, this week, you know, we're all mourning. You know, praying for all those that have suffered under the aggression of the United States and now its military corporate industries around the world. And and, and like I said, Dennis, my grandfather was 20 years old when when the situation occurred. You know, he's dead now. He passed on to the, to the spirit world. But he was 20 years old when this thing happened in South Dakota in 1890. It wasn't that long ago. So where do we go? You know, I I, I, uh, I reached out to Mr. Bill Means. I know yesterday and the days before they've been hit hard by snow blizzard, and uh, I, I I tried I'm to get to about reach out that. to him. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, they, I'm really they, worried they, about that, Miguel. Like, listen, listen, you, this is what I'd like to do, Miguel. Okay, I know, and I'm really worried about uh, Bill, and I'm worried about the situation. This is what I'd like to do. Let's um, take uh, a musical break. Let's see what's happening on. I want to happening now. I want to communicate with the mothership. See if we can uh, track down Bill. Maybe what we'll try and do, if we can't get Bill, uh, is we'll go to our second segment, and maybe we can come back uh, to Bill. But let's uh, yes, yes, uh, take a musical break. And I will keep and, trying, uh, Dennis. Okay, all right. Stay with us. You're listening to Flashpoints on Civil Radio.
And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We're back. My name is Dennis Bernstein. This is your daily investigative news magazine. We are trying uh, to reach Bill Means on the reservation. Uh, the snow is huge in the Dakotas, uh, and uh, we're hitting a snag there. But we're going to see if we can come back. It's incredibly important to us to uh, get Bill Means on and to talk about uh, uh, the struggle uh, by the American Indian Movement, among other things, to uh, get uh, Leonard Peltier out of jail before he dies. Uh, behind the bars being set up uh, by the FBI agents who uh, brought you Wounded Knee in 1973. Uh, in any event, uh, we are going to turn our attention to the historic Golden Rule anti-nuclear sailboat. It's on its way to Cuba. We uh, received a call from the boat early this morning. This storied wooden boat, which was uh, sailed toward the Marshall Islands in 1958 to interfere with U.S. nuclear testing set sail from Key West, Florida on Friday morning and will arrive at the Hemingway Marina in Havana on Saturday morning, New Year's Eve day. The the, uh, the 34-foot catch belongs to Veterans for Peace and implements its mission to to end the arms race and to reduce and eventually eliminate nuclear weapons. Um, Welcome uh, to Flashpoint's Helen Jacquard. Uh, Congratulations on the launch. Could you give us a little bit of the history of both the boat and the decision to use it uh, in this context uh, to help to try and break or alleviate the suffering of the uh, uh, U.S. embargo on Cuba? Wow. Well, that was well said, Dennis. Thank you for having us on. Uh, so, sure. yeah, um, the Great Loop um, is, is what we're doing. It's called the Great Loop, where you sail around the entire eastern United States. After the Golden Rule sailed up and down the West Coast for years and to Hawaii and back, we were there for two years, we decided to implement the vision of the people that rebuilt the Golden Rule from 2010 to 2015, which was to sail all of the navigable waters of the United States to talk about nuclear issues. And we're on an educational mission. Um, So... We trucked the Golden Rule to Minneapolis and put the masts back on and got her all ready and went down. We were going to go down the entire Mississippi River. Well, the river's too shallow right now, and, you know, barges can't get through, and it's affecting, you know, getting the crops out of the Midwest. And so we diverted over to the Ohio, Tennessee, and Tom Bigby Rivers and got down into the Gulf of Mexico and... Our plan is to sail around the tip of Florida and up to Portland, Maine, to New York, and up the Hudson River and Erie Canals into the Great Lakes and then back down the center of the country. Well, you know, if you're going to sail around the tip of Florida, you got to think about Cuba and 50 years ago, the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was, you know, and I didn't even really realize this until recently because I was so young when this happened, but... um you know, the, the United States attempted invasion and coup of Cuba called the Bay of Pigs, which is where this invasion happened, led to Cuba joining up more with the Soviet Union, where they put, you know, missiles, uh, nuclear missiles in Cuba. And so it led to the Cuban Missile Crisis 50 years ago. Well, there's this kind of 
similar thing going on where it wasn't the United States that invaded Ukraine, but we've got a conflict in Ukraine that just as in Cuba, they could have easily gone into a you know civilization-ending nuclear war. Well, that could happen in Ukraine. And the rhetoric, you know, that, that both the United States and Russia, when they say all options are on the table, that's not a veiled threat. That is a threat to use nuclear weapons. And so what we're advocating is to step back from all of that and to allow negotiations to happen. And I think that sending these weapons, you know, massive, huge, bigger and bigger and more and more weapons into Ukraine only discourages Zelensky from negotiating. And I don't think that either side can win this militarily. So this isn't the direction that this war should be going in order to come to an eventual end. So uh, in terms of the, the, the current mission at hand, um, could you talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, the reason uh, you are heading towards Cuba now and uh, a little bit more about the connection with the embargo? Yeah, so as far as the embargo is concerned, a lot of people are calling for at least a temporary halt to the um, this cruel embargo because of Hurricane Ian, which wiped out around 10,000 people's homes. And so they've got big shelters where people are staying. They're in huge need, more than usual. And so the economy of Cuba, you know, they're doing their very best to rebuild and get people back into homes again. And, you know, we're going to be visiting and witnessing what's going on there. The United States only gave $2 million worth of aid to Cuba after Hurricane Ian. It's a drop in the bucket compared to what they need. And so we're going to just bear witness to that. We're bringing some humanitarian aid. It's not enough to make a huge difference, but, you know, at least we're doing our best to um, to help the people of Cuba in, you know, Pinar del, del, Rio, del Rio province. Um, but we're also on, you know, a cultural and arts exchange. Um, Veterans for Peace is going on a, you know, a pre-planned visit that, we just go, okay, what's going on at the time? And here's this one that's happening. Let's just sign up and go. And, um, you know, we're really looking forward to being there, but we're not trying to, you know, break the law or risk the boat or risk arrest here. This is more of an educational mission. We're going to learn what's going on in Cuba, and we're going to report back on what we see. So let's end this embargo that has, I mean, what is it all about anyway? I don't think the younger generation even understands, you know, why, why is the U.S. punishing Cuba? I don't get it. Do you? I think so. Oh yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, 
Anyway, so it, it, it's time to end this embargo. The younger generation more and more doesn't understand what this is all about, even probably here in Miami, where I am right now, where a lot of the rich people, you know, during and after the, res, the re, Cuban Revolution, where, you know, they became a communist country, and a lot of people had their property um, absorbed into the national government for the good of all the people. And... So they're here, they're still angry, but their children and their children's children, they don't understand all of that. You know, they've got a whole new life as American people. And so it's, you know, if ever the time to end this embargo was here, it's here now because these people are suffering and we need to help them. We need to stop punishing them for what their grandparents may have gone through. Um, that's and that, so. that's that's to- that's totally uh, to the point, and uh, that's why we appreciate uh, Helen Jacquard what uh, you've been doing with the uh, vet veterans for peace. So we're uh, to let people know again we're talking about the Golden Rule. It's a uh, historic anti-nuclear sailboat. Uh, this uh, boat actually sailed toward the Marshall Islands in 1958 to interfere with the U.S. nuclear testing there. And now we've got veterans, uh, uh, veterans for peace heading, uh, as you've been hearing, uh, towards Cuba to call attention to the devastating suffering of the U.S. embargo there. So what's the... uh, What's the uh, the plan once they get there? What are they planning to do? Uh, where will the boat go from there? You know, what's the this the the uh, uh, the next step? Well, the boat's going to stay at uh, Marina Hemingway uh, the whole time that it's in Cuba, and the the crew is going to be joining this whole arts and culture delegation. But they're also going to be interacting with. Quakers who originally sailed this boat towards the Marshall Islands. There's a Quaker group um, on the island. Um, there's a Buddhist um, Sokagakai group on the island that we're going to be interacting with. Um, we're going to, of course, go to Pinar del Rio and um, firsthand observe what's going on there, their efforts to rebuild and what challenges they have and what we can call for when we're explaining why we need to first temporarily and then permanently end this embargo. So it's a whole bunch of things that, that are going to happen there as a result of Veterans for Peace going to be there. And there's always some surprises. Uh, We don't know what else could happen on some of the days that are uh, being planned. Um, There's a, on the Proximity Cuba website is the initial itinerary. But I think there's gonna be a few more things happening, uh, which will be very interesting. Um, So, I'm really proud of this. If people wanna find out, if people want to find out more about this uh, mission or how, how they might want to participate, if they, how they can participate if they want to, what, what's the best way to follow uh, what you all are doing? Well, the easiest thing to of, do to yeah. find out more about what we're doing every day. We almost every day are posting on Facebook. It's um, The Facebook page is Golden Rule Peace Boat. And that's the way to keep up to date. The The website has less information on it. Um, and then, but, you know, 
I'd encourage people to go to the Facebook page. If you want to contribute to these efforts, including help support the humanitarian aid that we're bringing now, um, you can make a donation from our, our main webpage. It's VFP, as in Veterans for Peace, vfpgoldenrule.org. And, you know, you can read about the history of the boat. You can learn how you can get involved. You can fill out a crew application form and maybe crew on the golden rule. It's a lot of fun. And, man, when you get a bunch of people together all working towards the same goals, you end up with this beautiful mix of people. Um, you know, it's, it's just a fantastic experience to be part of the golden rule family. Excellent. Well, listen, Helen, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the phone line and see how the audience feels about uh, Cuba, the embargo, uh, the mission that the veterans are on. So maybe if you want, you can stand by and uh, be a part of this dialogue. I'm going to invite listeners now because we... Uh, we had an interview planned with uh, Bill Means, but apparently the uh, reservation is snowed out and we can't get through. Uh, so we thought this would be a, a great way to um, end the year, a discussion about Cuba, about uh, the embargo, how people feel about it. I know we have tremendous support uh, for ending the embargo Uh uh, against Cuba and all the implications thereof. So the phone number, if people want to talk about this issue, uh, the number is 1-800-958-9008. It's 1-800-958-9008. And let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on, what's happening with the embargo, how you feel about this courageous mission uh, that the uh, Veterans for Peace are on now, on the Golden Rule, on their way to Cuba. Again, the number is 1-800-958-9008. We'll take a musical break. When we come back, we'll take your calls at 1-800-958-9008. Stay with us.
And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We're taking calls. We're talking about the embargo to Cuba, even as uh, a sailboat heads uh, towards Cuba. Uh, the golden rule, the uh, historical uh, historical sailboat uh, that was used to interfere to get in the way of nuclear testing is now on the way to Cuba to help to fight against the embargo. Joining us is Lilith. Lilith, welcome to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Your thoughts on the embargo, what we've been talking about? Oh, hi. Thank you for having me. Um, it's just sure. amazing. Um, I, I went to Cuba back in the 80s with um, Medea Benjamin and everyone to to help break the embargo and bring the stuff to Cuba. And um, we had, uh, you know, buses for peace and everything. And it's just nuts. It's they're, they're so unfair. I mean, the, I think the U.S. is just so upset that they had a successful revolution and that, that they're taking care of themselves. And uh, they just can't, uh, you know, the U.S. imperial government just won't allow this to, to happen. And uh, it just shows the, the horrors of... Um, of the worldwide imperialist. And it also shows the ignorance of the American people about what is really going on outside their borders uh, and that's leading to this uh, siege, so-called siege at the border. Um, I, I thank you for your for your call, Lilith. We're going to move on to Chris. Chris joins us from Fresno, California. Welcome to Flashpoints, Chris. Your thoughts? Well, thank you so much uh, for taking my call. Um, I had the pleasure of doing my study abroad in uh, Havana, and very recently, actually, about five years ago. And uh, you know, the, the problem is the problem is this: you know, America is driven by capitalism, by you know, by spending, by just over the top uh, excess. And uh, you go to a place like Cuba where people are, you know, simpler and they just enjoy the everyday things of life. You know, they don't have to uh, drive, uh, you know, $100,000 cars and live, live in mansions. They, they just like, uh, you know, living in a, a rural environment. And, you know, America doesn't like that. America thinks everyone's got to, you know, work till they, they drop and spend a lot of money and, and, and they don't care you know, about the everyday simple lifestyle of the Cubans. And so, you know, this embargo, what it does is it just empowers the, you know, the people with money and it makes the, the poor people, which is probably about 80% of the population, suffer even more. And it's, it's What did you study? Because, uh, well, I'm a political science major and, uh, you know, I also did a minor in Spanish. And so I figured what what a better way than to go to to Cuba and and just from the horse's mouth learn the language. We studied there in the African uh, Museum uh, with uh, other uh, American students, and we had Cuban instructors. And it was uh, I actually walked every day to school, and then I stayed in a little uh, bed and breakfast, and everything was Spanish from the day I hit the the Havana airport until the day I left. And uh, it was one of the most memorial experiences I ever had in my life. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate that, uh, Chris. Uh, stay safe. We're talking about Cuba. We're talking about the embargo. We're, we're talking about it in the in the context of the historic Golden Rule anti-nuclear sailboat uh, on its way to Cuba now. I got a 
call earlier this morning uh, from Jerry Condon, who's uh, one of the vets uh, for peace that's on the way to Cuba. And we're talking about that now. We had a little problem uh, reaching our special guest, uh, Bill Means of the American Indian Movement. He's on uh, the reservation in uh, South Dakota, and uh, we just could not get through. Uh, Joining us now, I think this is, is this the famous Cynthia of uh, Code Pink? Is that you? <laughs> famous. I don't know about famous. I think Helen is famous. And Jerry. How about the Code no, Pink? No, I'm not is famous. that right? I'm actually at Medea's house right now in oh, Miami. Oh, are you both with uh-huh. us now? <laughs> oh, tell us about tell us about Cuba, please. Why is it important for the Golden Rule to be heading there now and for us to pay, be paying attention to the embargo? Well, both of you, yeah, I go. Have a question for Helen. I have a question for Helen. Helen, are you going to be there on January 11th, the anniversary of Guantanamo opening, Guantanamo Prison in Cuba? Oh, you know, that would be nice. No, actually, the Golden Rule is leaving on the 10th and arriving in Miami on the 12th of January. So, no, we won't. We'll be en route. Oh, um, oh. well, you know, whenever I think of Cuba, Guantanamo I think is a whole other discussion right but you know i think a lot of people don't understand that the you know the communist government of cuba provides education for people all the way up through md or phd right everybody has a place to live there's no homelessness whatsoever everyone has a job there's no joblessness you know there's a very low maternal death rate um you know there's they have an amazing society and i think that's part of what the united states doesn't want their people to know is that yeah this is an actual working system here yeah i don't think that um i don't think that the oligarchy wants uh the american people to feel like that's a possibility for us that that we would actually take care of our people and um it just smacks of of socialism, which we have already in this country, but, you know, we don't call it that necessarily. Uh, I mean, I get Medicare and I get Social Security. But, Helen, thank you so much for doing that trip, and please give my love to Jerry as well. Um, You guys are amazing, and I love this project so much. I I love it that Veterans for Peace is supporting this, and I love it that you're going to Cuba. And be safe. What I love is I could just turn the the program over to the audience and sit back, and which I would like to continue to do. Uh, and I'd like to get your take, Medea, on the reopening of Guantanamo. How, how would you sort of characterize that? What what does that signify for you? Oh, Medea's over um, entertaining guests in the backyard here, and I'm okay. um, not with her. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> Dennis, could I say one more quick thing, please? Yes, please. Say three more things. Go yeah. on. So, so uh, on the 11th in Berkeley, we're going to go up to the UC Berkeley Law School where torture professor John Yu teaches. And um, we're going to um, ask him to contribute to the Guantanamo Survivors Fund, which is trying to help the men uh, who are living in poverty. <laughs> I mean, we released prisoners from Guantanamo Bay, and we gave them nothing, and they are having trouble surviving. So we're going to ask him for a big donation, maybe a year's salary, since he's responsible for the torture of the men at Guantanamo. So just letting you know. <laughs> and that's, now, yeah. the, now no, that's that the John you Remind people, now he, he worked for one of the Bushes, right? Bush 2? 
he he worked for the Office of Legal Counsel, which is a department of the uh, Department of Justice for Bush two and Dick Cheney, who are the torturers. Uh, they they formulated this United States torture policy, and John Yu was asked to write a legal opinion that would cover their asses. Excuse my language, um, and he did so. But as soon as his replacement came into office, they rescinded those legal opinions because they were shoddy research. They were they weren't even good law. But meanwhile, people got tortured. Yeah. See, now that you see, that's interesting to me for another reason, too. The spokesperson for that regime, that pro torture regime, was a journalist, now a journalist, by the name of Nicole Wallace. And she's constantly flabbergasted about the, the brutality of the Trump administration. And believe me, I'm no fan of Donald J. Trump. But she. As communications director for Bush 2, was responsible for suppressing, undermining, covering what? Guaranteeing, justifying torture used by Bush 2. So it's important when we think about the American media and the liberal media, MSNBC, and Nicole Wallace, who does two hours every day, that one of her jobs was to cover up the torture routine, the use of torture as a forward fighting tool of the American government. And that is an important fact about media and about uh, the nature of the U.S. government. I thank you, uh, Cynthia, for jumping in. You're welcome. We're going to move on. Uh, You are so welcome, too. We're going to move on. Maria, uh, join us from Berkeley on Pacifica Radio. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Dennis. Uh, um, on, on behalf of the Colombian people who, after 203 years uh, uh, of uh, rich white oligarchical men, now we have an Afro-Colombian woman vice president and an ex-guerrilla president. And I just want to say I've been to Cuba about 12 times. Uh, there are all these free trips, actually, from Colombia to, to Cuba. I went with uh, the Venceremos Brigade and community gardens and teens groups and the black yoga teachers and, uh, and all of that. But what I, I just want to, I know that it's a, a, a question, you know, wh- why are we doing this? This is just nuts. But the, I think to paraphrase other leaders, they say Cuba is a threat of a good example of how to take care of your people. And that's, and that's what they don't want the, the world to know that there's a better way, there's a more humane way, there's there's a, a, a anti-capitalist way, uh, to, because we have a dictatorship of the corporations, I'm sure most of you would uh, agree, and please give my love to Medea Benjamin, because she was a guiding light for me when I came as a refugee to the United States, um, even though I was born here. <laughs> um, and and I I studied medicine in Colombia, and I've been uh, side by side with Cuban doctors. They're the best in the world. They they for free take people from all over the globe and make them into uh, amazing medical doctors that go back to their home countries and other places. And and you know you know Doctor Maria, yeah. you know Doctor Maria. I don't know your second name, uh, but I. You you bring up the Cuba in the context of the doctors, and you know we're dealing with what's going on at the border. And one of the uh, the folks 
doing the greatest suffering among those uh, doing the really facing the most difficult task are the Haitians who have been <clears throat> had their country destabilized uh, and forced so here they are at the border of the US government and then they're being deported it's a terrible situation uh, when the United States kidnapped the president the duly elected president of Aristide in 2004 and invaded the country of Haiti kidnapped the president, put him in Central Africa, undermined the country, led us to this situation. Now, the first thing that the United States did and the UN did is to get rid of the uh, medical school that was uh, started by the Cubans and move the military in. And that's what the, mili- the, the United States government means to so many of these countries in this region, is a militarization, a control of the re- region, and policy that goes back to the Monroe Doctrine. Um, you, Maria, I just want to ask you one thing. You say you you got your citizenship once you were here in the country. You were. Uh, no, tell I us was a little born bit here. more about. <laughs> that you were born here, but you weren't born as a citizen. How does that work? No, my, um, my, my mother was American, my father was Colombian, and she would come up to have her babies uh, from Colombia, but they were domiciled in Colombia. So. Um, I, I I can be a Colombian citizen and an American citizen. Oh, I see. Uh, you got dual citizenship. My heart is Colombian, but uh, but I kind of pass for for American, and and I'm a Spanish language interpreter. Uh, but but uh, but Cuba, if, if if I didn't have my grandchildren nearby and my and and my offspring, then I I would be living in Colombia. Um, but um, I love Berkeley because of people like you, Dennis. And yeah, we've we've had lunch together. I was honored to be invited to one of your many friends uh, having a, a luncheon for you. <laughs> and, oh and God, I'm, I'm, we're all on the same page. It's very gratifying. Thank you, Maria. Really appreciate it. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We're taking calls at 1-800-958-9008. We lost our wonderful guest, uh, Bill Means, founder of the American Indian Movement. We were planning to talk about uh, 50 years after Wounded Knee, the second Wounded Knee, but uh, snowstorm got in the way. So we're taking calls about, uh, uh, about the embargo against Cuba and your thoughts on that. And we we have, as you can hear, an amazing audience. And let's see if we can bring in Will. Why don't you join us on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio? Uh, uh, thank you, Dennis. Uh, great show. Hello, Helen. Uh, I'm a sailor, too. And on behalf of uh, all sailors everywhere, thank you for what you're doing. Um, I think it's really noble of you to uh, to spend your life in such an honorable way. Uh uh, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Will, well, thank if you, you want to, if you yeah. want a crew on the Golden Rule, which is a lot of fun, it's a very unique boat. You know, we have a full keel. We operate with a tiller instead of a steering wheel. Anyway, if you want to come, you know, be a crew member, just fill out an application. Go to vfpgoldenrule.org/slash/crew-application. Just go to our Thank website, vfpgoldenrule.org, and um, if you feel like sailing, we're doing a lot of just one-day sales. You can come out and do it for a day or a week or two or whatever makes the most sense, or you can wait till we get back to California in over a year. 
Well, I'm going to keep an eye on you guys, that's for sure. And uh, that leads me to the story that uh, I wanted to tell about uh, Cuba. I've never been there, but I heard it's a really beautiful place. And I went to um, public schools here in California, and um, all for four years straight, I had a, a really muy elegante um, woman from Cuba. Her name is Miss Cuesta, and she was part of, of a provisional family who had been on Cuba for many generations and had been part of the agricultural, you know, uh, uh, economy. And she uh, described to me and to, you know, her classes, you know, the devastating effects of the transition. She wasn't necessarily against a revolution, but she, she said, they were like banditos. They didn't really have a plan. And um, I grew up kind of seeing it from that side. But now I know that the United States attacks every socialist system that that takes off. Like, you know, uh, I listen to letters from politics on KPFA during the day sometimes. And they've told more than one story about, um, like in Italy, uh, right after the Second War, there was a really strong socialist movement, and um, allies destroyed them. And the same thing in the Panama Canal. There was this uh, really beautiful um, labor, you know, um, organization where they they had come in there, and it had been kind of socialist, and and they destroyed that too. So I totally agree with Dr. Maria that it's a it's, they just don't want socialism to be shown in a in a good light. <laughs> Well, thank you. I really appreciate that call uh, from you, Will, uh, and uh, call back sometime. We also have still with us Helen Jacquard. Uh, she's a part of this uh, uh, this historic uh, uh, trip to Cuba uh, to stand against the embargo. Uh, Helen, what's the what's the last thing you heard from the boat? You know, is, is everybody all right? Are things going well? How's that trip going? Well, you know, they don't have a way of communicating easily right now. Um, but if you go to share.garmin.com slash golden rule, every 10 minutes a new dot goes on the map. So you can follow exactly where are they. And they're more than halfway to Cuba now. So they're crossing the Florida Strait right as we speak. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, And I'm sure if well, something was going up, they would have picked up the satellite phone and called me. But they're fine. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that. I want to tell people you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. This is a surprise call-in show. Our guest, our, our planned guest, uh, guest uh, Mr. William Means, uh, co-founder of the American Indian Movement and the International Indian Treaty Council, was slotted to speak with us uh, uh, and give us an update on indigenous rights and the fight against the extractors uh, uh, in the North Country, but uh, a huge snowstorm and uh, a bunch of problems with the phone lines uh, made it a bit difficult for us to make that connection. So we are taking phone calls at 1-800-958-9008, and we're talking about the embargo against Cuba. And what I'd like to do, dear Mothership, is take a Quick, uh, 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 a minute or two musical break and come back with some more phone calls at 1-800-958-9008. Stay with us. Ow. 
And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. We're taking calls. We have uh, with us Helen Jacquard. Uh, she is working with Vets, of, uh, Vets for Peace. And uh, uh, the Golden Rule uh, is a boat, uh, a sailboat uh, with uh, great history in terms of resisting nuclear testing. Uh, some vets, uh, including our good friend uh, uh, Jerry Condon, is on the boat on the way to Cuba, and we figured since we lost our opportunity to talk with Bill Means that we should spend some time talking about the embargo, and we know that uh, in the Bay Area and many of our uh, listeners across the country are very concerned with the embargo. So uh, we're taking some calls, uh, and... Helen, what's the next mission after Cuba? Do you, are there other plans for the boat? And wanted to tell oh, people yeah. once again, uh, tell people once again how they can be a part of the the movement to support the boat. You know, the the boat is on this long eleven thousand mile trip around the eastern half of the United States, and so when we get back to Miami, next thing is to sail all the way up past. Portland, Maine, and then back to New York City and up the Hudson River and Erie Canal and into the Great Lakes, and then back down through the center of the country. This is an 11,000-mile voyage to educate everybody about the possibility of nuclear war and how what everybody can do to stop that. And when if you want to get involved as a volunteer, help us organize events, be a crew member, just go on our website, vfpgoldenrule.org. There's a help and support menu item. You can just choose and say, hmm, maybe I'll try this. It's a great way to contact us and say that you want to give support in some kind of way or you can donate through the website as well. So um, we're just going to continue on our nuclear education mission, and we want to reach beyond the choir, which is a great way. To, I mean, being on the radio with you, Dennis, on Flashpoint, this is a great way for us to say, well, this is not just for the peace and justice and anti-nuclear movement. No, nobody wants nuclear arms. Nobody wants I that d- to even exist in the world. Uh, I guess you're... Um concern like most of us given the war and the fighting around the nuclear plants and the loose talk about the use of nuclear weapons uh, that this is a particularly critical time for the boat to be doing its work oh it absolutely is people are finally awake again to the fact that there are nuclear weapons and that countries are threatening each other with them more than it, more than has been the case in decades and so this is a time when people's brains and hearts are open to wow what's really going on and as an educational mission that's where we can step in and help and we're just a small part of a very big you know operation to educate people about nuclear not just weapon weapons but also nuclear energy and the problems that are going on with that so absolutely absolutely you know with Zaporizhia, we we didn't even think of nuclear power plants as potential weapons until ukraine Right. Well, now people understand that a nuclear power plant can easily be converted into a a dangerous uh, nuclear uh, weapon, a dirty nuclear weapon. Uh, Let's see if we can get Omari in. Uh, Omari joins us from Mexico. Omari, are you there? Yes, sir. 
Welcome uh, to yeah, Flashpoints. You... Your thoughts, yeah, please. I we hear want... you perfectly. Uh, yeah. I, um, uh, in 2010, uh, living in Berkeley, uh, wanted to go to Cuba to experience, you know, socialism and uh, see, you know, how, how how that, you know, was going down for the for the people. And what I did was I simply went to uh, Tijuana, uh, uh, Baja California, Mexico, and bought me a, a round trip ticket and and went. Um, and as you know, tourism is very uh, important for the economy uh, in Cuba. So. It was a incredible experience, um, and you 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 see the difference, uh, uh, the beautiful difference of a socialist country, and um, you know you can legally fly from Mexico to to, to Cuba just as an individual. Wow. Thank you for that call. We've got a, call, a bunch of people calling. We're going to have to do uh, sort of a quick round. John, let's go to you. I know you've been waiting a long time. Join us. Uh, Maria, you're on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Join us. Hello. Um, Hi. Marie? Hi. Yes. Um, yes. Um, this is Marie. Um, first, I want to say um, hello to all my Code Pink friends. Um, my comment about Cuba is um, I don't know how anybody could have watched the Cuban doctors in um, go to uh, Italy during COVID and not just have their hearts melted. I know. Was, I know. Uh, did you want to say anything else, Marie? No. I, everybody said everything else that I feel. Um, but, yeah, uh, that just really um, got to me. It brought tears to my eyes watching that. And Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that. I appreciate that. I think we got John back now. All right. All I want to say is that uh, um, I think it's very, very... Uh, vindictive and mean-spirited that after some six years after the embargo, embargo against Cuba was enacted, they were still carrying on his policy, and that's all I have to say. Right. It, it is. And um, it's, it's time to end the embargo and get on with allowing Cuba to develop. Um, but, you know, they do provide well for their people to the best of their ability, free health care, education, housing, and food that everybody gets. And so they don't have a lot of the societal problems that we have. Okay, very good. Okay, so um, one of the topics that was brought up today was Guantanamo. And I think that it's important to realize that the United States rents the Guantanamo base for a dollar a year. And they've been doing that for around 100 years. That wraps it up for another episode of Flashpoints. Our executive producer is Dennis Bernstein. Senior producers are Miguel Gavilan Molina and Kevin Pina. Technical director is Mike Biggs. Special thanks to producer and engineer Rada Keel. For previous episodes, go to kpfa.org or flashpoints.net. For questions or comments, email dennis at kpfa.org. Thank you for listening.